Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bowman Chronicles podcast. We appreciate you being with us. We're coming to you tonight. I'm actually in uh, Sullivan County, Tennessee, at our farm here at Little Sink Creek Farm. Uh, with uh, Mr. Dylan Holly, my production guy, who's <laughs> we spend a lot of time with nowadays. So uh, I have a very, very, very special guest tonight. And uh, he does not uh, at all need an introduction because when I when I tell you who it is, everybody's going to, uh, to know him. Uh, really good friend of mine. We've been friends for quite a few years and have... Uh, uh, been a lot of time together uh when especially when he was uh in uh, in bristol for the uh for the races and uh just a uh just a principal guy and i really appreciate him being on but uh mr phil parsons thanks for being here buddy glad to be here mark thanks for having me how's uh how's everything going well pretty quiet right now obviously the season ended a couple of weeks ago so uh not a whole lot for me to do other than Try to work on my golf game, which isn't very good, as you, as you well know, isn't very good, and hasn't gotten any better since the last time we played either. But, but I work on it. It's fun. We got a bunch of guys around here that they get to play a good bit. So, uh, and our weather here in uh, in near Charlotte, North Carolina, is such that we can play mo- pretty much year round. Yeah, it's. Uh, I tell you, we hadn't got to play in in, in quite a long time, but we've had a, we've had a lot of good times, that's for sure. And uh, I want to bring up something now that you mentioned golf. So Hermie was on with me a few weeks ago, and he said that he had uh, he had stopped by. He hadn't seen you in a while, and he said he was coming back through uh, Charlotte, and that you guys got to play nine holes together. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh... You know, he's got a bogus handicap anyway, as you know. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yes, for, somehow I think I have to give him strokes and he's better than I am. So I'm not sure how that all works out, but uh, that's the hit. that's his story and he sticks to it. Yes, yes, and it is bogus. I, I, I will 100% agree with you because I've been on the bad end of it too. <laughs> 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 but uh, but no, you know we've we've had such a great time, man. Over the over the years, when you would uh, you know come and uh, you know you and Hermie and I and a few others, we'd always get together and play a little golf and have some dinner and stuff. And uh, man, just such great memories. So yeah, with such a great golf course, you guys have too. At Old Farm, you've been kind enough to let us, Hermie and I, play over there, and Elliot and, and the whole bunch. It's it's a it's a great place, and we we enjoy it immensely every time. Well, thank you, and we're uh, very fortunate to have it here. You know, in the area, it's uh, it is mm-hmm. a uh, very special place to uh, to all of us, and uh, man, it's just uh, you know we love going there and and love. You know the the times and the friendships and all the relationships that's been built from there for sure. So, yeah, and they take such good care of you there too. Every time I've ever been there, it's they're so so welcoming and, and uh, just just a, something we always look forward to when we get to do it for sure. Yeah, the staff is uh, they are they are great. This just a great group of people, and I appreciate mm-hmm. you saying that they. Uh, it just uh, a, a really cool place, and I tell you, we've um, yeah made a lot of friends there. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. we've got to spend a lot of time there. For you know, back in the days of when I mean, you and Hermie start first started, you know, our friendship that was we're in one of the right. first places. So, but Phil, talk about go back to your racing career, which you know mm-hmm. I was you know, of course, you know, always a big fan, and uh, 
And uh, man, you you uh, you know, had a great career, and you you spent a lot of time behind the wheel. And uh, when did you uh, when did you start your racing career? The first race I ever ran was uh, in October of 1977. Uh, it was at Rockingham, and they had NASCAR used to have a division back when I was growing up. It was called uh, uh, the Baby Grand Division. It was for subcompacts, four cylinder engines. You know, probably 175 horsepower, something like that. Vegas, Pinos, Dotsons, all sorts of stuff like that. So that's the series I started racing in. Uh, I was in college at the time. I grew up in Michigan, and I was going to college up in Michigan. But uh, I had been worked for a couple summers. Tex Powell, a uh, fellow that was, uh, for, the, for those of us in the industry, doesn't need it, uh, in, any kind of introduction. But, uh, you know, probably the, a, a casual fan may not know who Tex was, but he was one of the smartest guys ever. And I, and I, I told this story not too long ago that, that when I was about 12 or 13, he was working with my brother Benny in the Cup Series, and that's how I met Tex. And he was always so kind to me and so, so giving of his time. Well, when, once I got old enough, he actually built my first race car. But it took us a couple of years to build it because, when I would get off from school during the summer or any kind of vacation, I would come down south and work on my race car. And then we finally got the got the thing ready and went to Rockingham for my first race in, in late seventy seven, October of seventy seven. Wow, that's uh, uh, you know, you go back to that man, and that was just I remember the Baby Grand Series because the Baby mm-hmm. Grand Series ran at Bristol. Uh, oh yeah, for that. sure. So yeah. Grand. so you went from that to, I guess, the what was the time was probably the Late Model Sportsman Series uh, or the exactly. Bush Series? Which, yeah, Late, Late Model Sportsman Series was really the forerunner of the Bush Series, which is now the Expanded Series. Uh, essentially, uh, in the early 80s, uh, NASCAR said, okay, we're going to, you know, you would have basically you would run the same rules, same kind of cars at Hickory and Asheville and Kingsport and, and really all over the South, if not the South, all over the country with the exact same rules. So, okay, we're going to, we're going to reel this in, have 25 or 30 races, do like they did to the Cup Series back in the early 70s when the Winston Cup Series was formed. They went from 60 races a year to 30 races a year and they essentially did the same thing. Then it was an organized series that was uh, in 1982, but prior to that, uh, in 1980, I started running the late model sportsman series, which again turned into the Bush series back in 1982. And when did you, when was your first year in the Winston cup series? My first year in the cup series, I, I ran five races in 1983. Uh, I was running full time in the Bush series in 1982 and 1983. So then we were going to also run five cup races, Daytona, the Daytona 500 1983 was my actual first cup race. And then uh, my second race didn't turn out too well because it was at Talladega. And I, and I, uh, uh, I turned over 10 times. <laughs> and uh, I remember and that. that. <laughs> yeah, and that knocked me out for about six weeks. So, so then we just ran most of the, once I came back, we ran most of the, of the Bush races the rest of the year and still, still end up running uh, three more cup races. So I, Still ended up running five cup races. Because I know that you did, you won Bristol in the, uh, um, with the Bush Series or. Bush Series, yeah. Yes. And, and the, the first year of the Bush Series, ironically, 1982. Okay. 
because uh, I, I knew that. And then uh, you talk about the uh, the wreck and the the flipping ten times. You know, back you know in that time, I mean, man, you know the safety standpoint of the car was a little bit different than it is today. So I'm sure that uh, that was uh, probably like being in a, a, a washing machine on spin cycle for a few yeah, minutes. Thrashing around. Yeah. I mean, I ended up breaking my shoulder, which is what is what put me out for about six weeks. And there's, there's no doubt in my mind that we had uh, nothing more than just the seat that we have today. I mean, I would have, I would have walked away Yeah, because the seat, this containment of the seat, containment of the headrest and the head, you know, I wouldn't have been able to thrash around and it wouldn't have been able to throw me into the door bars, which is probably what broke my shoulder. So yeah, no doubt today that I wouldn't even have got hurt, but uh, they, they were pretty primitive back then compared to what they are now when they were so far advanced then back in the early eighties to what they had been in the seventies and the sixties and, and before. But so it's been an evolutionary, it's been a, it's been a learning process for, for NASCAR as well as as well as the teams to, to make the stuff safer and and then I, I think by and large NASCAR's done a an amazing job with that. Yeah, um, now I, I do know back then too the speeds are a lot higher than you know than they they are today because of the you know like the restrictor plates came along and everything. I mean you know in the in the eighties man I mean the speeds were getting way way up there yeah the last race uh that we ran that i ran that had but before restrictor plates and, and what brought out <clears throat> restrictor plates is, which is what we still had at today is when bobby allison got into the catch fence at talladega back the first race in in uh, uh 1987 uh, and then after that, after the, so the midpoint of 1987, we ran a restrictor plate, some sort of, of a restriction to reduce the horsepower because his car got up in the air, got into the catch fence and, and NASCAR. And I think I'm sure the insurance companies had something to say about that as well. But the, for that race at Talladega that, that Bobby got into the catch fence, I qualified, I think I qualified around ninth or 10th at right at 210 miles an hour. Wow. That's uh yeah. I mean, that, you know, and that was before too. Yeah, I know. You know, now when the when the roof flaps came along to release the air pressure from the car to keep it mm-hmm. you know, back, man. When you turn sideways at Talladega or Daytona in those days, you were going airborne. I mean, yeah, certainly happened to a lot of them for sure. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, and even even after they slowed them down, we still saw cars flying in the air, and we still see them. Certainly not as much, but we still seem. But they remember Ryan Freese's accident mm-hmm. earlier this year where we got upside down. But uh, that air can do those funny things to these things when you when you turn them the wrong direction. Yeah, you know they're built to have downforce going straight, but you you know you turn them around and then they have lift, and it doesn't it doesn't take a lot to get those things up in the air. But the roof flaps and all that kind of stuff has certainly helped uh, raise that 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 limit. On, uh, on on where those cars will start taking off. Yeah, that's uh, I, I'm sure you know. I couldn't imagine. You know, I was talking to Elliot uh, when he was on with us last week about his crash in um, um, Pocono in mm-hmm. 2010, and uh, you know, wow, I mean, that was a that was a hard lick, 
And yes, it was and, for sure. You know, it's just it's amazing there from a, the safety standpoint. You know what you guys walked away from. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, and that was. I mean, that was later than mine, but still not anything like what we have safety wise today, too. Right. I think that that one, you know, I know NASCAR started putting the, um, um, they could meter the G forces. Mm -hmm. I say that was around the time. And I think that time, uh, Elliot said that that was 81 G's that, uh, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard a number of those 60 to 80 G incidents and, uh, impacts. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty incredible. So, um, yeah. Phil, your brother Benny, and you know, I was always this to you know, I love Benny and as everybody did. And I know mm-hmm. you guys were what, sixteen years apart in age, fifteen, yeah. sixteen. And so I'm sure that you got to experience a lot of his racing career when you were younger. And I'm sure that that inspired you and and you know, is that what made you want to to race? Yeah, without a doubt. He's I was only like five years old when he started. He and he got a late, relatively late start. Maybe uh, he was he was about twenty three when he started driving, which is which is really unusual. <clears throat> so I was about five or six years old, and you know from the time from the time he started doing it, that's all I could ever imagine wanting to do was to drive a race car. And and I you know I, I followed his career, and I, I knew more about about stats and stuff of his career than probably he did. He was busy doing it. And I was, I was busy reading about it and watching and whatever. So, and we, again, my, my dad was a huge race fan and that's ultimately is what led Benny kind of into the sport. Cause my dad had a lot of friends up in Michigan mm-hmm. where we had, where we had lived at the time. And, uh, so Benny started going, hanging out with a, a guy that raced around there and then finally got an opportunity. But, uh, from that, from that, as long as I can remember, I, there's the racing has been in, in, in my life as long as I can remember and never really wanted to do anything else. Uh, went to college for four years, but, uh, but it was all started racing while I was in college and it was all about, all about trying to make it in the sport as a race car driver. And I've been incredibly blessed to have a lot of help along the way to, to kind of get me from place to place to place and, and end up making a career of it. And I know your son is is racing now, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I keep up with him. Uh, you know, some I know uh, you guys raced, uh, and I, he did at the uh, uh, the I guess the initial North Wilkesboro late model race. Yes, yeah. uh, the late I, model I race. Sure did. Yeah. How was that? I yeah. mean, how I haven't been there yet since they revamped the track, uh, but I've yeah. heard that it, they did <laughs> such a great job with him. They did an amazing job for last year for that late model race. I mean, cause I had been there, you know, a handful of times over the years for various reasons. And, and the track had really, had really gone into disarray, you know, considerably. But, uh, I think, you know, without a doubt, Dale Jr. Had a lot to do with that. And, 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 and he, you know, got some people, people roused up into doing something and certainly Marcus Smith. But when that late model race that you mentioned, there was last, I don't know, August, September, somewhere last fall. Yeah. That my son Stefan raced in. That was one of the biggest events that I had ever been to. I mean, I, the, the, they couldn't have sold another ticket. They couldn't have squeezed another person in there. They actually waited to start the race for like 45 minutes or an hour because of the people trying to get in. 
Wow. But it was it was spectacular. I mean, just the vibe around the event, Dale Jr. racing in, it certainly added something to it. And I told them before, I talked to them right before the race, right before they got in the cars, and I said, thank you. Thank you for this. You know, I mean, my family, both my parents grew up in Wilkes County. So Wilkes County is, is really what, you know, led my dad into being a race fan and ultimately what led Benny and I into the sport. So, I, you know, for, for what Dale Jr. and Marcus and all the people involved did, uh, it was an amazing event last year. And then the, the amount of work that they did prior to this year for the All-Star race was incredible as well. I mean, it's, it's yet, but yet it still looks nostalgic. It still looks like North Wilkesboro Speedway, and but it's but it's spectacular. They really did an amazing job. They've repaved the track now for next year, so so that's going to be fun to watch as well. But but it's uh, I'm just after, gosh, you know, twenty seven, twenty six, twenty seven years to resurrect a racetrack that it just doesn't happen. You know, it just doesn't happen. But but they got it done, and it was so much so much fun to be a part of. That's uh, I, and I can't wait to see it. I, I'm actually I'm going over for the All Star Race next year, so okay. I can't Good. I can't wait. And uh, um, so, Bill, your your racing career, your career at you, you're still uh, doing your uh, the FS1, uh, your commentator mm-hmm. and, and analyst, uh, and you know throughout everything, I know one of the biggest highlights has to be of of watching your son get that race car now. Yeah, it is, and, and 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 I know how hard it is to, to make it in the sport, and it's there's so people, so few people get the opportunity to do it. And he's had some, he's had some good opportunities. He's, he's worked really hard for it. Uh, you know, help him help him get started. He started running Bandolero cars and Legend cars, and then ran some late models, and then got a chance to to run a few Xfinity races or whatever, and. Uh, he works really hard at it. He he hustles. He grinds. He tries to find money. He he works a couple extra jobs. He does pit tours and and he's a spotting at on road courses for some of some of the cup teams. Uh, just trying to make something happen. It's still it still ne- hasn't necessarily happened for him, but we certainly hold out hope that that he's going to you know be able to attract enough sponsorship to to get in a good a good ride and and show some people what he can do. A lot of people you know think. That uh, that he has some talent and ability. I think he's, I think he has some talent and ability too. But I'm not I'm not that dad that thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, I just I think he yeah, I think he gets a lot of out of the equipment that he drives. But but people like Dale Jr. speak really highly of him and, and says the same thing that he seems to get a lot out of the equipment that he's driving. So hopefully something will happen happen for him. He's uh, right now in the process of trying to trying to raise some money sponsorship wise and to see where you might land next year. But, uh, and I think they're, they're well on their way to, to finding some, some stuff and see where he lands. But, uh, but it is fun when he, when he runs well, as a matter of fact, his best finish in an Xfinity car was eight at Bristol. And he did that last year. And, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know that I felt any better after winning a race myself than watching them have, have that good a race and race against, against people like all and, and being able to race against them, you know, on an equal basis. So it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's, uh, I'll tell you, and the folks, he's got, uh, he's got legend in his blood. That's for sure. With you and, and, <laughs> well, and Benny. He takes after Uncle Benny is what I'm hoping. That's, what I'm hoping. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so and speaking of Benny and going back to your, uh, your racing career with Benny, you know, and I know you won the Winston 
500 at Talladega in uh, mm-hmm. eight. And so what was one of the most memorable times with your brother, Benny, on racing and on, on the circuit or, or just any racing? Yeah. Well, when I was, uh, when I was there, when Benny won this championship, 1973 at Rockingham, that, and, and that was amazing. And that, that race in itself, I know you probably remember, but he got crashed really early in the race. And they had a, a Tex Powell was one of the guys that I'd mentioned earlier. Tex uh, was one of the guys that actually put that car back together. The car was destroyed. And they put that thing back together to the point where he could get back on the racetrack and accumulate enough points to win that championship. He had the lead going in. Uh, so that was that was so huge, and then and then winning the Daytona 500 in 1975 when Benny did that. I mean that was, I mean, you know, I I grew up Daytona 500 was it. The Daytona 500 was the Indy 500 for us. The stock cars was the direction that Benny went when I was five years old. So being able to win the Daytona 500 and being being able to be in victory lane with him, winning the Daytona 500 was uh, was quite amazing. And then. You know, and then ultimately, you know, back when I started running the Cup Series, I was able to race against him. You know, after after watching him and and then and pulling for him my entire life for, but by this time it was 20 years of his career. He started back in 1963, and so 1983 is when I was able to race with him. And that was that was certainly a thrill too. So that's uh, that that is awesome, and I, I can't imagine. Uh, you know, I know how brother rivalries are too and and being on the track and racing against each other after you know that had to be just uh just this awesome for you yeah and, and and it's strange too as much as i pulled for my entire life i mean there was nobody i wanted to beat any more than him <laughs> and, and not maliciously not maliciously and if i couldn't do well i certainly wanted him to but but i certainly wanted to beat him too yes yes <laughs> but uh uh, so I know you you spent several years too as a car owner, and mm-hmm. uh, and you still. Uh, uh, but how how hard is it now as car owner as a car owner in in the sport? I, I mean I know that's a, I mean it takes a lot of money now to field, you know to field the teams and and do all that and and I mean it has to be. Uh, uh, I mean that's a that's a big undertaking. It, it is, and we started a team back, you know, and and and, and basically they don't even have this term now, but basically starting our team. We were trying to trying to build something, trying to raise enough money, trying to get money sponsorship, and when we didn't, then we would just basically start the race, run a little bit for the starting money, and that's and, and we did that. But we finally got into the position where we could race full time. We got the expenses down. We accumulated enough equipment enough sponsorship that we were able to do that. And that was one of the hardest times really in my life because I was, I was doing TV full time, which I have since 2001. And uh, this was 2014 and seven days a week, you got up chasing money seven days a week. And and it was so hard to find. And, uh, and then we had, again, we were able to race every race in 2014 uh, we're going to try to do the same thing in 2015. It got harder, got more expensive. We didn't have quite the sponsorship lined up that we had in 2014. And and again, still working seven days a week trying to chase money and not being able to find it. So uh, a, a fellow by the name of Jay Robinson, 
made me an offer to, to sell to them. And then I did. And, and yeah. one of the best, best things I've ever done because it just, it just, it freed up my life. I mean, because again, it was seven days a week at the shop chasing money and, and, and not been able to find it. So, uh, it, it was a, it was a fun time when you, when you had a, when you, when you had a good run and we, I think we did a lot with a little, like my crew chief was, was Gene Need, Josh Wise was, was our driver. Michael McDowell had driven for Yes. Before that. And Josh, Michael went on to, got an opportunity to race somewhere else. And we had Josh Wise. And we out, we outran a lot of people that, that spent a lot more money than we did. People that we probably shouldn't have outrun. And that was satisfying. You know, it's hard to sit back after wanting, trying to win races your whole life and say, man, we finished 18th. And that was a terrific day. But it, I, it was. Right. You know, for us to finish 18th or 20th or 22nd we had to beat some good cars to do that and we were able to do that on occasion and that was pretty satisfying but but at the end of the day it was just so hard just so hard and, it, and it's got nothing but harder since yeah yeah I, I mean just like in any in any business now man you know it's uh you know things have changed a lot over the past mm-hmm. you know 20 years and it's uh it is it's it's is totally different, um, you know, from the from the good days, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, so, Phil, what was your favorite track to to drive? I really, yeah, I really. I mean, I like I like the big tracks. I like the faster the better. But I love Bristol. I love Bristol from the time from the first time I ever went there in a baby grand car. I love Bristol. I you know was able to win there in a bush car. I finished second there in a bush car as well. And that never really had a, a great run. Had good runs in the Cup Series, but never really good finishes. But but I love Bristol because the way you could attack it, it was a it was a driver's racetrack, and I loved it. But but also like to go fast. Yeah, I love Daytona, Talladega. Like to go fast, like to draft, and was and seemed to be pretty decent at it. So I had a lot of good finishes at, at Daytona and Talladega. Uh, but really, there were there weren't any racetracks that I didn't like. I liked you know I liked the, I liked them all. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bristol, of course, has changed a lot. You know, they read, you know, I can't remember the year you do. I'm sure that they redid the track, widened it, and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, resurfaced it. And, um, you know, it, it it changed the dynamics of, of it a lot from the old school, uh, you know, Bristol, the old bump and run coming out of the number four. Around, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I told people, you know, all the time. Like, you know, to me, they, they fixed the racetrack. But but it but it made the show not as exciting for the fans. Yeah, because you were because you, you could race side by side and whatever. You couldn't do that before. You basically knocked people out of the way before. So I think they fixed the racetrack, but but then the the the, the show suffered for it, right. and the fans you know fans started staying away. Uh, but but Marcus and his people, Jerry Caldwell, I, I, I just I love the I love their hearts and the, and the fact that they want to do well. They we tried dirt. We put dirt on the racetrack, and I think that was exciting for a few years. I think it's exciting that we're going back, you know, back to the concrete yeah. both races next year, and not not going to have the dirt again. But they're not they're not afraid to try things for sure, and I certainly admire them for that. And, and again, I still love going to that place every every single time. Almost definitely, yeah. It's a uh, you know, it's just such a uh, you know to our area here. It's such the you know it it drives our economy. You know, and I mean, oh, yeah. it's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a and those guys, you know, they do Jerry and all those guys. They do such a great job, and they're such good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and man, they've uh, you know just like doing the dirt and 
and having other events and stuff. Uh, you know, they did the uh, uh, Tennessee and Virginia Tech football game down yeah. at the stadium. Man, I was, uh, you know, but uh, uh, but you know, it just uh, this is great people, and we're you know so much history there in, in the in mm-hmm. Bristol, and uh, you know, you were talking about Kingsport. Uh, you know, I when I was a kid, man, that's where we went on for your Saturday night, you know, Friday night. Yeah. And, yeah every you know, weekend. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, Jack Ingram and LD Ottinger and, uh, Harry Gant, Harry Gant cut his teeth there, man. And then yeah. in the number 77 car, I still have, yeah. a, still have a picture of that car that I drew on a notebook paper when I was a kid. And, yeah. uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I hadn't, you don't hear much. I hadn't heard much about Harry. Uh, what was he, I know is he, uh, what's he doing now? I saw him a couple of weeks ago, uh, Leo Jackson, that both Harry and I drove for. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, up at, he lived in Arden, North Carolina, near Ashford. And uh, Harry and I both were at Leo's visitation, so I got to spend probably, I probably talked to Harry for 20 or 30 minutes. And He's not doing a whole lot, just still working. I think Harry's just about 80, may have just turned 84, maybe 83. Really? And still works every day, putting up fence and painting. What There's no telling. So one of the hardest working guys, even back when we were racing full time and we had the same sponsors. So we spent a lot of time together at school back in the day. Yeah. I mean, Harry worked all the time, you know, doing, I mean, he'll put, you know, he'll, he'll do roofing or carpentry work or whatever, but uh, he was a pretty talented guy. One of the funniest guys you'll ever talk, talk to too. I got to meet him. I guess it was in 1979. Uh, it was actually when Dale senior Won his first race on the Cup Circuit at Bristol. Yeah, that was his rookie year. Yeah, sure yeah. was, and he won yeah. it at Bristol. And uh, I got to meet Harry at that race, and such a mm-hmm. nice guy. And I never will forget because you were talking about his how hard he was worker. He told me that he was uh, doing a sheetrock project because he asked me what I was wanting to do when I got out of high school, and he said, "Well, I'm you know I'm putting up sheetrock." He says, "Not a bad bad thing to go into," and I never will forget that. <laughs> yeah. and, and Harry probably still puts up sheetrock now. <laughs> so, so who was uh, on the circuit? And and I know you were friends with Dale Senior. So who was your who was the hardest guy to race against? Well, I mean, I mean, Dale Senior. It wasn't that he was hard to race against. Yeah, it was just when when he came up behind you, you know, you you better be able to get out, get going, or you better get out of his way because he's going to move you out of his way. And he was the first guy that that consistently did that. Really, now all all you hear about is people moving people out of the way. We didn't do a lot of that back then, honestly. But but Dale Senior was one that that did. He just took no prisoners. And, and, and I don't care what anyone says. When you looked in the mirror and saw that black car, especially when his car was black, yeah, you know, and it was the same Dale Earnhardt that when his car was blue and yellow for Wrangler. But, but when that car, that black car was in your mirror, you knew that you, you had better be on, you know, on the top of your game at the top of your game, or you better have enough speed to get out, get going because you were going to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was. I guess they called him an intimidator for the for a reason, right? Yeah, he, he he lived up to it. I mean, he lived up to it. I remember one years ago, one one driver, I don't know, had had bumped Dale or something in the race, and some of his crew was was bragging about it, and 
And some of Dale Senior's people said, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. It's, but it's probably 20 to 1 now <laughs> in favor of us. <laughs> you, you might have got one, but it's about 20 to 1 is what, yeah. is what it's been. So. That's uh... – <laughs> So you're doing FS1 now, or mm-hmm. how, how long have you been with Fox? Uh, started in 2003, so this was my 21st year with uh, with Fox, and I started with Speed, but Fox yeah. owned Speed, so, yeah. and then they just changed the name from Speed to FS1 when they started bringing in some other sports. Yeah, because uh, obviously on FS1 now we have football, baseball, whatever you know, whatever right. the case may be. So, but uh, yeah, so it's been a, it's been a good good ride. For sure. I always text you every time you come on. Me and Hermie was talking about this. And Hermie go. Hermie says, "Well, you don't never text me and tell me I'm looking good." And I said, "Well, Hermie, <laughs> you don't have Phil's hair. You don't. Have, I said, you, know, I said, you don't have that million dollar smile." I said, "You're gonna have to work on it." <laughs> so, what, what's funny about Hermie and Mark? I know you know the story, but but I've known Hermie since he was a teenager, and not not because of racing. He was my nephew, Benny's youngest son's college roommate, his fresh their freshman year at North Carolina in Chapel Hill. So he would come home, Hermie would come home with, with Keith, my nephew, to Rockingham. Benny lived in Ellerby just outside of Rockingham, and we'd go to eat or whatever. So I literally have known Hermie since he was a teenager. And I, I tell people all the time, he's just as annoying now as he was then. <laughs> he's, he's been annoying ever since I've known him, and that goes back to when he was a teenager. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were talking, uh, I was telling you about him, he told me that uh, that he stopped and played nine holes of golf with you. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, Hermie, I said, now who won? Of course, you know what he's going to say. And I said, yeah. well, I'm going to ask Phil to come on podcast and i said i'm gonna let him tell his version of this nine holes of golf and then we can <laughs> well he was mark he was the guest and and i and i was the host i mean i, I wouldn't i wouldn't i thought i would have thought of beating him on when he was a guest like that because that's the way you and i think and that's the way we take care of people right exactly so he's not like that no no he's not like that. no no you have to give him you know, his normal 15 strokes, and then, you know. <laughs> and, and then he beats you straight up. He beats you, he beats you straight up. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. He shoots his normal 75, and then, you know, it's been, <laughs> well, this is the greatest day I've ever had. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what got into me. <laughs> but, but, Phil, man, thank you so much for coming on. It's so great to see you. Yeah. And uh, I, I, uh, when uh, you come back up, uh, in the spring, man, holler at me. And I'd love to love to get together. We'll go to dinner one night. Uh, would love to see yes, you. Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. I've had, enjoyed This is the most we've talked in, in a while, so I've enjoyed that. It is. Last time we were at dinner at my house that uh, we got yeah. to spend more you know, time together. So I, I'd love to see you again. And uh, and such much luck to your son, man, Stephen. He is such a great talent, and uh, man, I, 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 I he, uh, you know, he's got he he looks like his daddy too. You he he's, you can look <laughs> well, at him. Hopefully, and, Uncle Benny again. Hopefully, he takes more after <laughs> Uncle Benny. Yeah. So, but I wish him that man just the most success, and uh, and I know Thank that you, you uh, I know you love him, and I know it has to feel good to have him in that in that car and. And when watch him, you know, that's uh, that's pretty special. 
I wish he played golf. Though. I mean, it'd be a lot easier to watch him play golf. But. Well, bring him with us, and we'll get. I'll get Hermie to come when you come in the spring. Okay, <laughs> and yeah. we can keep Hermie preoccupied with that, and then me and you can enjoy our <laughs> golf game, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> but thank you once again, Phil. I appreciate, it, man. It's so good to see you, and uh, I'll uh, I'll see you in the spring. Uh, when you come and we'll, uh, we'll we'll definitely get together sounds good thanks again brother and I will talk to All you right. soon okay alright buddy thank All right. you thank you good night folks special thanks to NASCAR legend Phil Parsons for joining us tonight on our podcast really enjoyed having Phil and listen to his uh, his stories about racing and uh, just wish his son Stefan the best of luck in the Xfinity series. He is such a great young talent and he's going to go far. But uh, Phil, thanks again for being on. Folks, I'm Mark Bowman and you are listening to the Bowman Chronicles podcast. Folks, I'm Mark Bowman and you have been listening to the Bowman Chronicles podcast. We appreciate you being with us, and you can find our podcast on all your favorite platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your favorite podcast, we should be there. So we appreciate you listening. Leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing and how you like the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Bowman Chronicles. We appreciate you being here, and we will talk to you next time.